Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents his teaching, Jehoshaphat's Victory. Today, we're going to talk about Jehoshaphat's victory. Amen. Jehoshaphat's victory. I'm not sure if you're supposed to say sh or suh. So I'll say it one more time. Today, we're going to talk about Jehoshaphat's victory. Amen. Amen. All right. Jehoshaphat was a godly king who reigned over the kingdom of Judah about 150 years before the time of his descendant, King Hezekiah. And, you know, we talked about Hezekiah last week in the message, The Lies of Rabshakeh. The Bible tells us that they were both righteous and honorable men, that is, Hezekiah and Jehoshaphat. And they both served God in the same manner as their ancestor, King David. And just like Hezekiah in his day, King Jehoshaphat faced impossible odds when Jerusalem and Judah were under attack by the enemy a century and a half before. And you're going to see as we get into this story that not only are there parallels between the two kings of Judah and what they faced, but there are parallels to our president, our country, and what we are currently facing. So let me go through some of these amazing parallels that I found as I dug into this story A little deeper than I ever have. Number one, King Jehoshaphat strengthened and rebuilt the military of the nation of Judah. Not to conquer, but to defend the nation from all enemies. You can read about that in 2 Chronicles 17. And he fielded an army of 1.2 million men. That's staggering, and I'll be talking more about that Here in a minute, our president has strengthened and rebuilt America's military into the most powerful fighting force on the planet. Again, not to conquer, but to defend our nation and our interests against all enemies. Number two, King Jehoshaphat led his nation with an agenda that matched the agenda of God. Our president has also stood for the agenda of God. Some people don't like his personality. Some people think he's brash. Some people think he's rough around the edges. But you cannot argue with the results. Jesus said, you know a man by the fruit that he produces. A good tree produces good fruit. An evil tree produces evil fruit. Anyway, our president has also stood for the agenda of God like Jehoshaphat. He's been the most pro-life president in the history of our nation. He has stood for the life of innocent unborn children. He has stood for traditional marriage. He has been a friend of Israel. So much so that he moved the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem establishing Jerusalem as the legitimate capital of Israel. He has been a friend of the church 
and has fought for religious freedoms and for freedom of speech for all preachers who desire to preach the truth, even though it's not always politically correct. Number three. And these are just three of many that I picked. King Jehoshaphat appointed righteous judges throughout the nation of Judah who would judge righteously according to the laws of the land and according to the laws of God. You can read about that in 2 Chronicles 19. Our president has appointed righteous judges throughout the land more than any other president in the history of the presidency. Amen. So as we read this story together, I want you to remember these parallels as we go. And I believe you will be encouraged. Encouraged to stand strong in the faith. Encouraged to pray that the will of the Lord be done on the earth as it is in heaven here in the USA and here in this election. Regardless of what you may have heard from the media, this election is not over. This election will be decided in the courts. So with all that in mind, let's read from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 through 26. And we'll be reading in the NIV version. 2 Chronicles 20, starting at verse 1. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Maonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. I'm so glad I made it through that scripture. All those words you got to pronounce just right. Verse 2 says, Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazon Tamar, that is, En Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Let me stop right there. Now, the first time I read this, I thought, why the alarm, Jehoshaphat? Jehoshaphat had a well-trained army of 1.2 million soldiers. Let me put that in context. That's the same size as our current U.S. military today. But crammed into a nation that is one-sixth the size of South Carolina... You would think they had more than enough forces to defend Judah and Jerusalem. But as you read between the lines of the story, you find out that even a mighty army like that was no match for the three armies that were headed their way. I believe they were facing a combined force of two to three million men minimum. Can you imagine the scale of warfare? Millions of men. We didn't even see that in World War I and World War II in single battles. But in some of these biblical battles, you had millions fighting millions. That is stunning to me. Needless to say, they were hopelessly outnumbered. And as a result of these quote-unquote realities, 
King Jehoshaphat very wisely called for fasting and prayer throughout the land. Amen. Verse 4. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, listen to this. This is powerful. I love this. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us, and you will save us. Again, I say, I love this passage. I love the way Jehoshaphat prays here. He starts out with praise, and then he magnifies God. Do you know what that means? He said, Lord, you're bigger than any problem we are facing at this moment. That's what it means to magnify God in your heart and mind. You make God way bigger than whatever you're facing. Amen. Then he reminds the Lord that the land these invaders seek to take from them was promised to them by God himself. He says, we built a sanctuary in Jerusalem so that at times like this, we could come and dwell in your presence just like we did here this morning. And we can cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and you will save us. Amen. Verse 10. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt, so they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Here he makes a plea to God and says, Israel could have destroyed these nations when we had the chance, when we first came into the promised land, but you would not let us. You said, have mercy on them, and we had mercy on them. So now look how they repay us with their treachery and their desire to destroy us and take our land from us. He's making his case before God. I believe he's reminding the Lord that he said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Verse 12, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. 
All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. I love this. This is such a touching picture here. These were men, women, and children from all over the nation of Judah that came into the temple of the Lord as Hezekiah was praying, and they were seeking the Lord their God. You know, sometimes when we read Bible stories, it's easy to just treat these people like Bible story people. But these were people that had husbands and wives and children and grandchildren, and, and they, had, they had desires, and they wanted a future, and they wanted a hope. They wanted to live a life of abundance. They, they were seeking the Lord their God. It, this touches my heart. This is just like us today. We're seeking His face. I've been praying nonstop, almost nonstop in the Spirit. I've been seeking the Lord ever since election night. Here the King is leading these precious people in a prayer where they are facing not just difficulties. They're facing extinction. They're facing a life and death struggle. And Jehoshaphat says, even though we don't know what to do, we, don't, we do know to put our eyes on you. Amen. Because if you can't help us, nobody can. Verse 14. Awesome. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. Amen again. I made it through that scripture. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Amen. I love that Jehoshaphat is pouring out his heart to the Lord. And as soon as he tells the Lord, we don't know what to do, but all our eyes are on you. The Holy Ghost falls on the prophet in the house of the Lord and the word of the Lord is released. And it is a word of victory and a promise that God will fight their battles for them. And they know they can overcome the odds because God has told them that He will be with them. Because you know with God, you plus God is a majority. Even if it's just you. And you can take on impossible odds. Romans 8.31 says, If God be for us, who in the world can be against us? 
How dare you even think you can come against us? The God of the universe is standing with me. All the army of Judah had to do was march out, face the enemy, and take up battle positions. Listen, that is significant. Notice that even though the Lord tells them they won't have to fight, He still tells them to face their enemies, to face their fears. You know, fear is a spirit. And if you allow it, it can be overwhelming. But we do not have to allow it. We can command the spirit of fear to leave in the name of Jesus, and he has to leave. Let me adjure you, let me exhort you, let me encourage you. Do not let fear overtake you during this time. Stand firm and believe the word of the Lord. Verse 18. Jehoshaphat bowed down his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. How many times can I say this? I love this. After the word of the Lord is released, they believed it and they worshiped the Lord in response. Some of them fell on their faces. Some of them stood to their feet. But they all worshiped the Lord with very loud voices. Why? Because they had heard the word of the Lord and it was as sure as the universe and the pillars thereof. I got to recover from that before I can read again. Verse 20. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. Amen. Amen. Listen, this is very important. Notice that King Jehoshaphat exhorted his army First of all, to have faith in the Lord, but also to have faith in his spokesmen, the prophets of God. And they marched out against this overwhelming force because they believed in the word of the Lord that was delivered by the prophet of God. And I'm here to tell you by the spirit, it's no different than if I stood up in this assembly and gave you the word of the Lord. You can bank on it. You can count on it. You can believe it. Amen. Or anyone among us as the Spirit of the Lord falls upon you. I love this part too. I love this whole story. Second Chronicles 20 is just one of those chapters that is special to me. Verse 21, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness 
as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for His love endures forever. Amen. What does the Bible also say about love? Love never fails. Amen. So the king has an idea that he evidently runs across some people that he trusts. Hey, why don't we have the praise team lead the army out against the enemy? And let them praise the Lord as we close on their ranks. Amen. I believe there's a reason for that. Psalm 149, which he was no doubt familiar with, it was written by his ancestor, King David. Psalm 149 says that the high praises of God in your mouth are a two-edged sword that brings vengeance on the enemies of God. Sometimes when you're facing impossible odds, you got to get up and you got to praise the Lord with every ounce of your being. Verse 22, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord sent ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. But it gets better. How they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. What does that tell you? When it says he sent ambushes, you look that word up and it means surprises. What he did is he sent confusion to the camp of the enemy so that they thought each other were the enemy. And they began to fight one another until there was none of them left. Now remember, we're talking about an army that I think probably numbered between two and three million people and they slaughtered one another in a single day. That's supernatural. Verse 24, when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. No one had escaped. Not a single man. That's what the word annihilate means. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value. More than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the valley of Baraka to this day. That's significant. Praise God, what a fantastic victory over overwhelming odds. The Lord sent confusion to the camp of the enemy and they began to fight against one another until no one was left. Millions of the enemy were dead without a sword being thrust or a single arrow being shot by the army of Judah. 
And when it was all over, they plundered the enemy for three days. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, which means the valley of blessing. How fitting is that? Instead of being overtaken by the enemy, they were overtaken by the blessing of the Lord. Amen. I'm going to rather abruptly transition into prayer for America, but I'm going to set it up first. Today in America, as most of us know, our nation stands in the balance. And three great armies are coming against us. Armies that look too great for us to overcome. Big tech, big media, and Marxist socialist forces are poised to wreck the foundations of our nation. Psalm 11.3 says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So we have to pray and believe God that our foundations will remain secure. Here's my prayer for America today. Just stand with me in agreement as I pray. We'll be doing more praying when we get here tonight at 630. Amen. Please come if you can. So here's my prayer. Lord, all our eyes are on you. All we know to do is to look to you. We will worship you in spite of the overwhelming odds we are facing. Lord, remember the word of the Lord that has come through the prophets of our land. Send confusion to the camp of the enemy. Let the infighting begin in the enemy's camp. Even as you did in the days of Jehoshaphat, do it in our day. Do it in our time. As the enemy plots to undermine righteousness, truth, and justice in America, bring us the victory as you did for the nation of Judah so long ago. Lord, as this election moves into the courts of our land, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that righteousness, truth, and justice reign over America. In Jesus' name we pray. And if you're in agreement, say amen. amen. We hope you enjoyed Dr. Forrest's message. Jehoshaphat's Victory. If you are blessed by this message and would like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at gofaithlife.com. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.